She's an actress, producer, writer, and advocate, and most recently starred opposite Andrew Walker in the new Hallmark Mysteries movie, Curious Caterer, Dying for Chocolate. Here's my chat with the wonderful Nikki Deloche. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. I'm good today. I always answer that. You know, I'm that person that answers it honestly, even when people don't really want to hear the honest answer. Are you too? Oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah, at the grocery <laughs> store, even if they're like, "So, how you doing today?" I'm like, you know what? It's it's it hasn't been great, but not a I'm great pushing day. through. <laughs> I, I mean, I so much. Yeah, I yeah, I'm a very honest person because you know what? I I am because I want people to be the same way. When I asked them. Same. And I I also, life, life is too short for us to like live on the surface. Like it, it, you know, if things are not well and you're not having a good day, why do we feel the need to plaster on a smile and go, oh yeah, it's just so great. It's not, it's also a betrayal to yourself to pretend like everything's okay when it's not. I mean, I I actually had to go get like a prescription at CVS the other day and it took me all day long to get this prescription. Like CVS was saying like, um, we haven't gotten it. And then I called the doctor's office. We sent it at 10.30 a.m. And then I called CVS, I was like all day long. Finally, I get to the, the, the lady at CVS. Actually, I was like, I'm just gonna need you to call my doctor, please. In small towns, this is like a no-brainer, right? These are things that people just do in small towns because everybody knows each other, but Los Angeles is different. And that pharmacist picked up the phone and called my doctor and handled it. I got there and I pulled her aside. And I think she thought because, you know, I'm standing in line and everybody's barking at all the pharmacists and all the people. And I was like, first of all, why is everybody so angry at them? This is like, you know, this is crazy. And I pulled her aside and I was just like, I just want to say thank you so much because you have no idea. Like, and I just start tearing up and then she starts tearing up and she's Mm -hmm. like, nobody's told me thank you in such a long time. You don't (laughs) understand. And I was like, oh no, well, thank you for what you do. And it was this beautiful moment. And that's what I think honesty does. It's like, it allows us to have these moments of connectivity where we get to, we're allowed to be human beings and we're allowed to be seen for a moment, you know? So I think it's really cool that you did that. And also we just got, we just like jumped in like deep. And I <laughs> love it. Um, I just watched an interview that you did most recently and um, I love what you said um, about your friend. And I think her name is Meg. Is that right? Oh yes. Megan yes. McNulty. Yes. How, My partner in yes. all things. How you're just able, you were able to dive deep with her, like the instant that you met. And Oh, that's Jen. I was oh, probably Jen, talking about okay, okay. Jen. So okay. Jen and I run a blog together. I mean, okay. I do, by the way, I do that with Megan too. I, I really, all of my closest girlfriends, but Jen and I, yeah, so we met in our late 20s. We were in um, master class together at our acting studio, which is also where I met my other best friend who became my writing and producing partner, Megan. We all met at the same acting studio. and But Jen and I were sitting there and I was at a place in my life, especially being a girl growing up in the South, right? Where you weren't allowed a voice. It was like, just put some lipstick on it and look pretty. 
right? Nobody really cares what you think about anything. Right. Um, you know, I was really, and then living in a business where everything just it feels often um, so surface level and so, um, for lack of a better word, fake. Like you have to put on this face of like, you know, everything in your life is great. And, you know, you're taught your whole entire career that like, you're only as important as your last job. And so you're constantly being like, oh yeah, I just worked on this and this as if it was the most important thing. And it's not, took me a long time to get to that place. So Jen and I were, you know, sitting in the break room and we were eating and we were just on the precipice of kind of becoming friends. And we just made a pact. We were like, listen, if we're going to do this, if we're going to be friends, like what kind of friend do you want to have in your life? And what does that mean to you? And what does it mean to call somebody your friend? And we decided that we were just going to be the most honest, the most authentic, no matter what it looked like, no matter how messy or ugly, no fake positivity allowed. Um, and it was the most liberating thing in the world. And all of our other friends that were in our friend group were kind of like, well, what's going on over there? What are, what are the two of you doing? You're, you're, you're like, there's some magic happening. And we're like, oh yeah. So we're just being messy and talking about it. <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah. We want in on that. So it really allowed all the other women in our life the permission to be just as messy and be just as honest about it and not just be embraced, but be celebrated inside of the mess. Um, and it, it changed my life. It really did. Yeah. Well, that is how, that is when I originally reached out to you. It was August of 2021 oh. and you had made a post, um, mm. which I have in front of me, um, that, which was, cause I had been following you for quite some time anyway, because I, I love watching on Hallmark and, and then you really, you. um, when everything was going on with your dad, you really started, I feel to really open up on social media. It was, yeah. it was a lot. I had never seen that from you before. And so, um, can I read a little bit of the post? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this was a post about, um, I'm just going to read it because yeah. it's, yeah. You said, I had to start moving my body. I could feel the darkness swallowing me whole. And I immediately texted my lifelines, Jeff, who hates to be on camera or know, <laughs> and known in any public fashion, right? And Ashley Brown, um, who is my real life earth angel and said, let's go. Um, I had a horrible road with postpartum anxiety after the birth of my first child. And I'm not a person who could take medication that can sometimes help other women. My body just literally rejects it. My only option was to start moving my body. You talked about joining soul cycle, cycling your way out of postpartum anxiety, um, and then ended with, I will honor my grief. I will honor my sadness. I will honor the burn, the ache of my dad's passing. And I will also move my body because I will also, also honor my life. And I'm here to make the very most of this life thing for God, for myself, for my husband, for my kids, for my mom, my siblings, nieces, nephews, for my friends, and for my dad. And <laughs> that postpartum anxiety piece. Mm. Oh, yeah. 
So I, I am a huge maternal mental health advocate, <sighs> suffered myself and went on to make a documentary film about it. Wow. Um, I want to see is, this. You, I will, I will make sure that you have access please, to it. Please. Um, I finished it back in 2015 and it's been screened thousands of times. It's, it's really used in um, teaching schools, medical universities for um, upcoming physicians or anyone who's really going to be in contact with a woman who is pregnant um, or just have had a baby. And so I had a horrible experience and, and it was so, and it is still so stigmatized. People don't talk about it, you know, yep. mental health just in general, but especially when- I was just going to say anything yeah. that falls under the umbrella of mental health. Mental health. Postpartum does, yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're talking, right, mental health and motherhood, which is like such a dichotomy that you're supposed to be so happy. And then you experience things that are the opposite of that. And oh, yeah. so- you know, did I, you have depression or did you have anxiety, the postpartum depression or anxiety? So I had pregnancy anxiety, oh. OCD with intrusive thoughts. Wow. And, yeah. and, and, you know, and contemplated taking my life at one point. Same, same, many times. And I many just, times. and it was like, why, how, how did nobody tell me that this could happen? And, Same you know, and, and, and you had talked about also in a recent interview, just being curious, which it makes you a, an amazing advocate for so many things. And that's what it is. It's asking yep. the questions. Why is this happening? Why is this not yep. happening? Why? And, and I'm not the only one. I mean, I started a local support group at the library and dozens and dozens and dozens of women started showing up and oh. like, filling their guts. I mean, I was the yeah. first person they told, they didn't even talk to their family they didn't talk to their doctors. They didn't trust anybody because nobody was talking about it. Yeah. So I specifically remember my therapist, um, after I had, I call it my coming out, came out to my husband <laughs> was like, this is what's really going on. Um, I think I need help, you know, and, and ultimately yeah. dig it on medication. Um, and I remember my therapist saying to me, you really need to be careful with who you share the story with. And I'm like, you know, you're just feeding in right to the stigma of totally not sharing and, and, and making sure that other families and women know that this can happen. And so I was like, and I literally remember telling him in the office, I was like, literally, I'm going to stand on the biggest mountain that I can. And I'm going to scream it as loud as I can. And so yep. it was very serendipitous how I came to know the co-producer of the film and that's all part of the film, actually, because it's so interesting and crazy. Um, but yeah, we we did a documentary in two years and we're like, we need to get this out. And and so we did. It's called Dark Side of the Full Moon, which is also the podcast that yes. I had. So when I yes. out, this was the podcast, I was like, Nikki, you've got to be on this podcast. I, you know, I want to start having celebrities on to kind of share their story, too. Um, it just so happened that I started another podcast called Hearts of Stars, which this will probably end up being on both. Um, but yeah, so I, oh, I feel like I could talk to you forever, but I really <laughs> I want to make Same. sure that get somebody here because there's so, there is, there is a hallmark piece to my recovery, mm. which is oh, like really? so interesting because, well, all of my, um, 
So, okay. So really a bridge version. Cause I've shared this story a thousand times. Um, my daughter was born in October. So I suffered August, September, October. She was born October, November, December. I didn't come out until the week before my 30th birthday. So that was January. So I had gone all through the holidays mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. really just not mm-hmm. enjoying anything. I was having intrusive thoughts that were horrific. Like they involved yep. like sharp objects. So I couldn't use scissors. I couldn't use yep. a knife to cut up food. Yeah. I mean, I remember ripping wrapping paper with my hands mm-hmm. in tears going, I cannot even hold a pair of scissors without trembling and trusting. It's trusting yourself. Yeah. It was yeah. just, so finally yeah. that's when I had had my first suicidal thought and was like, I can't like this. I don't want to, I don't want to not be here, but I don't want to be here feeling like this. And that's um, exactly right. Yeah. And so I went through all of that, got treatment. And what had happened was, because this is, this is how trauma works, right? Christmas came around the next year. Oh yeah. And I was put in that same kind of, I always Uh related to like your senses, right? So the Hallmark movie started coming on this. I started smelling Christmas trees. You know, there's there's a reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I went to school for psychology. One of the, one of the, the toughest classes that I I took was uh, sense and perception where it it was the most fascinating class. And also the hardest I would, I literally like, and I'm an academic, like I, like I will read a textbook for fun, you know, um, that's like curiosity portion of Mm -hmm. the program. Um, my grandmother always looks like you missed your calling. You should have been a doctor. And, um, she's probably right, by the way, I probably like, it would have been much easier to go to med school than to deal with this industry. Um, and I, and I remember all of it coming together, why our senses. And also I had been in acting school at Warner Laughlin studios, her whole, acting practice is based on sense and perception. So we don't use substitution, meaning I don't substitute parts of my life and scenes. Um, it's damaging. It's traumatic to relive certain traumas in your life. Like, but that's what a lot of people do. They're like, Oh, let me remember when my grandfather died. And then I'm going to cry on camera. Right. Well, what I, what I understood from Warner's technique and also from going to school for psychology is your brain will literally protect you and shut it down. It will shut it down at some point in time. You will not be able to cry anymore. So like now they're coming in to do your close up. Right. And you've cried 10 times and then it stops. All of a sudden it stops. You can't find the emotion anymore. So Warner's technique was all imagination based yeah. and where we would actually flip into our imagination and live out moments of a character's life. You know, I'm five years old. I'm sitting on the carpet in my room. It's super thick carpet. It's blue. And when I lay on it, it kind of makes me feel like I'm laying on a bed of clouds. And so it's all about senses. What do I smell? What do I see? What do I touch? What do I feel? Right. Mm-hmm. And what it does, it actually tricks your brain as an actor into believing the moment happened. It lives inside of you. Right. So when I get on set and I am placed in that bedroom again, as a, you know, 20 something year old, 30 something year old, 40 year old. Um, and I've set that memory in and I walk into that room and that blue carpet is there. And I put my hand on it and I sit down tears, boom, because my body 
has lived that moment. So there is this connection between our sense memory and what we hold. And also when it comes to trauma, I was just on the phone with my mother and, you know, we lost my dad around, um, we lost my dad July 27th of last year. Leading up to that, we had all gone to, he was placed in Jacksonville because it was the only place that would take him. We called 11 different places. Um, turns out people don't love having um, people with frontal temporal dementia in their facilities, um, which is a whole other issue that like my advocacy is going to work on moving down the road. But we had all gone to Fernandina Beach, which was about 30 minutes away from where he was, as opposed to two, two and a half hours. And we decided to be there for the month that he was in this facility so we could be close to him. And my mother said on the phone when I was just driving here before I got on with you, um, she can't go back to Fernandina. This, this was a little house that our family rented every single year and all of our family went to the beach. We've been renting the same place for years. She's like, I can never go back there. You know, just going into, she went to go look at another one, but just going, just driving into, you know, is one of those places where you, it's gated and it's got a lot of different houses just crossing the threshold of the gates to go and look at a different house that she wanted to rent. It, she felt the panic and the shakes and everything come up and the tears and all the things. And she was like, Nope, I can't, I can't. So like we, and nobody tells us this. Mm -mm. So when we're placed back into a moment of remembrance, mm -hmm. And that trauma comes back up. And then here's what we decide we do because we don't know what it is that we're feeling because we haven't been taught. Right. We drink too much. We, or we get in fights mm -hmm. or we're really sad and we don't know why we're impatient with our children. We, you know, all of these things start happening. We go to, we go to like that place inside of us that is scared that like, I'm, I don't feel in control of my body, what is happening. And then we act out in ways that are not in alignment with who we are because we don't know to sit down and go, oh, okay, what I'm feeling right now is this is trauma. This is PTSD. And I'm just gonna have to sit with it for a minute and I'm just gonna have to let everything come up. I'm gonna have to cry. You know, I'm gonna have to like be sad for a moment but I'm gonna to have to acknowledge that that's what this is because the sooner I acknowledge it and as soon, the sooner I feel my feelings, then it's gonna pass. Right. And then I'm gonna be able to wipe my tears, reset my sympathetic nervous system and know that I have to be tender with myself and know that like now that I've given myself the space to feel, then I can be tender with, the people in my life who I love, right? Mm -hmm. But like, I'm so glad you brought it up, like being launched back into that. So you are launched back into, to take that back, you're launched back into that moment. It's Christmas. You've got the smells, you've got this. And then what, a Hallmark movie came on and you were like, <laughs> healed. I was healed by Hallmark. Um, <laughs> You know what it was. That's going to be your next next podcast. Heal right, right. <laughs> I mean, really, what it was was being able to throw myself into a movie or mm. whatever it is and experience the holidays through that. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. almost rewiring my brain because Christmas is my favorite yeah. time of year. I mean, it is yeah. it by far my favorite time of year. I couldn't wait to experience my first Christmas with my daughter. Like this was a big deal. And yeah. to have it ripped from me and then have it reoccur after I think I'm I'm better because I was better, but did not realize that I would be triggered and sent back into, you know, not a yeah. place as bad as it was, but enough that I was like, am I always going to be like this? Like, am I uh, never going to be able to enjoy the holidays again? Like, is this like yeah. going to be my new reality? And yeah. so, you know, I was able to just really just flood myself with 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 movies that were those feel good movies, right? You know, yeah. I knew what to expect. These were not yeah. movies. I mean, most Christmas movies are are pretty, you know, uplifting. <laughs> I wasn't oh, watching yeah, yeah, Die yeah. Hard or any. Believe of those me, things, right? <laughs> no, believe me. It, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And then when you when you pitch the movies like for right. Walmart, you know, and you're like, this is a girl who didn't really love Christmas. They're like, eh, get out of yeah. here. Like they're like, no, 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 no. Our our audience wants to see people loving Christmas. <laughs> that, right. They exactly. want to be happy. Mm-hmm. What, I was like, got it, got it, got it. Right. And it's great. I mean, and, and I actually had this conversation with an actor, with Neil Bledsoe, actually. Oh, um, yeah, Neil. Yeah. And, you know, I, and I was actually, for whatever reason, this story comes up in every interview, my, my whole like thing. And he was kind of asking me questions, kind of like how you are, but I love it. Um, I said, you know, what I really had to do was, you know, flood myself with those movies and almost like live through like rewire my brain rewire kind of how I thought and just get as far away as I could from that initial trauma um you know and that's kind of what starts the healing I mean that's the healing process but what people don't understand with especially with trauma is that you're not always 100% healed things the wound is always just you will never be there. I, I just had this conversation with someone because I said, I think the thing about this like self-help culture, and I do believe that with people like Glenn Doyle, the tides are changing, right? Um, with this, um, but for the longest time, you know, it was, you can heal yourself and you, you just do these steps and you will be totally back to normal. And what I have learned, right? I just had recently, um, you know, I have the most incredible group of girlfriends. Um, and just when I say, you know, the 15 year old of me, if somebody would have told me that one day I would have these women as my like soul sisters and, you know, to do life with, I would have been like, that's a fairy tale. Nobody gets that, you know, but they really are um, the best parts of me. And um, I, we finally had, were able to have a night and, you know, several of us have had people pass. And anytime that's happened, we've all gotten together and really surround that person in like in a literal circle and poured love into them. And, you know, we've crafted beads and made like flower headdresses to put on them and just to, you know, to hold their grief in like a sacred place and to say like, you know, so we had that moment, you know, because of COVID and life and everything, we just hadn't been able to do that. And so we finally had that the other night and, um, 
and they were like, you know, how are you, Nikki? How are you doing? And um, talk, talk to us. And I said, um, actually, I have questions. And they're like, shocker. Um, <laughs> again, curiosity. Right. You know, because three of the women in the group have all lost. One lost a mother, one lost a dad, and one lost a brother. And I said, um, you know, I just started sobbing. And I said, I feel like I've been shattered and it's not just my dad. It's also Bennett, you know, it's, I found out about Bennett's diagnosis and my dad's diagnosis all within the same week's time in May of 2017. And, um, I remember thinking in that moment, nothing will ever be the same. Everything in my life will be marked by this moment in time. Everything that came before and everything that came after. And there is a grieving that has to happen. I mean, listen, my son is a living, breathing miracle. He had an 11% chance of surviving that first surgery. And he did by the grace of God and also the hands of Dr. Von Starnes, who was his surgeon and those nurses and doctors. And like, it was a miracle. And he had another miracle with another heart surgery, another miracle with another heart surgery. Um, I would not change any decision. I would not take anything back. All the sacrifices that were made. I had just come off a hit show. Um, it was something I worked my whole career for to give myself that platform to really then launch myself into that next show and the next show. And I was testing for all these pilots, got a pilot, was up for another pilot. Like my career was beginning to, to lift off in a way that I had worked so hard for. And it all came to a crashing halt. Like there was like, I didn't even know if I'd be able to act again, to be honest. I didn't know what kind of, I didn't know what we were dealing with. Like if he made it through the first surgery, you know, then like, I don't know what kind of baby I'm bringing home. If he's going to have a lifetime of, you know, so, and then if I would even want to leave him, uh, like I really, so there was all of that that is a grief as well. A life that you, you had worked for and you had hoped for and dreamed for and prayed for. And then you say goodbye to it because what was more important was being with my son and saving his life. And again, wouldn't do anything differently, but you are allowed to grieve that. And I think that that's the other thing we're not taught as women that we're supposed mm -hmm. to, when we get, you know, we're, we're not supposed to grieve that stuff. And just like in postpartum, you're supposed to be so happy and, and my God, you would give anything to be happy, anything. It, you know, I, I, I remember saying to my husband, you think I want to feel this way? Do you think this is enjoyable to me? I'm living in a nightmare and, 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 and like that trauma, then you have to grieve the, the time that was taken from you, from your son and those, those, those most precious you know, first year of, or it took me 18 months to finally get back on my feet fully. And man, I was mad. I was so angry. I carried that baby in my belly. I did everything right. I did all the things. And then I was robbed of that. That's a grief. And so, you know, I was recently, but all these self-help books teach us that we can just heal this. And then one day we're going to be better. And what I realized in that moment, talking to my girlfriends, when I said, there are pieces of me, like pieces of myself that I can't get back. They are gone. 
And I'm trying, it's like, I'm trying like somebody took a bat to my whole self and shattered me into a million pieces. And in the last five years, I've been trying to just put those pieces back together like a puzzle. And then some of them I can't find, they're just missing. And my friend, Jen, you know, my, my truth teller, And I was crying and I was like, where is that woman? Like, where is she? Will I ever get her back? Is she with my dad? Is she, will she always be gone? Will I always feel like this? And my friend, Jen, the ever so wise one said, she is holding on to your back, begging you to let her go. You have to let her go. And, and this is why, you know, this is the Jen and Nikki of it all. I looked at her with tears of gratitude and like awe that, you know, she, but she knew because she had lived it. And then now she gets to walk me through and say, it's time to let her go. She will never come back. Those pieces of you, and that's okay. Because now you get to put together other pieces. You get to pull in other pieces that you learn along the way, the resilience that you learn that you never knew that you had, um, the vulnerability that you never knew that you had, the honesty, the authenticity, the, you know, all of those things that you learn along the way, they become the new pieces of you and you rebuild yourself from there. But that trauma and that grief will always be, with you. I say to my kids, and I fully believe this, we were given all of the emotions for a reason, but we've spent all of our lives trying not to feel the icky ones, right? Guilt, grief, sadness, anguish, like anger, whatever it is, the things that don't make us feel good, right? Because the self-help community says feeling good and positive is the way to go. So let's get to positive. Right. And, but we were given all these feelings for, for a reason. Our job is to learn what to do with them is to learn how to control them. And I don't mean control them in ignoring them and denying them and pushing them away. I mean, controlling them in the sense of acknowledgement. This is what I'm feeling. (laughs) I'm going to allow myself to feel this because I can handle it and I trust myself to handle it. And I'm going to know myself well enough because I've done the work to know, okay, so I'm not going to do the things I used to do in the past, lose my patience, have too much wine, blah, 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 blah. And instead, I'm going to be really mindful walking through this that I'm a little bit on a bland mind right now. And so I got it to slow everything down. Maybe I need to go to bed a little bit earlier. Maybe I need to make sure I don't, you know, pack my schedule with too many things because I'm just feeling very vulnerable. So you learn your toolkit, your ways of taking care of yourself, but like emotions are meant to be felt. Yeah. You know? And so I think that that's all part of it, of the acknowledgement of like, I'll never be the same. That is okay. I will never find that full healing that all the people talk about that is also okay. Because what does happen is something is broken open inside of you that changes you forever. And it allows you to see the world in a different way. And the way that I see the world is so much more raw and real and vulnerable and meaningful than I ever did before. And I wouldn't change that for anything. None of the pain. 
Yeah. Wow. That was beautifully said, first of all. Um, Thanks. You know, I, um, it's interesting when I was coming off my medication, I was on it for two years. And that's so hard. The same week I came off my medication, um, my daughter got diagnosed with autism. And okay, things where I mean, this is like the same, yeah, same thing. Um, yeah, you know, grieving, grieving the the loss of the moments I wish I would have had with her during her first Christmas, or you know, all of that, and then getting this diagnosis first of all, and not knowing anything about it. I mean, I didn't know. I had no idea what autism was. I thought she just had a speech delay. Yeah. People just throw words at you and you're like, yeah. well, yeah, well that, you would, your jaw would drop if I told you about the appointment that we went to and how they told us that she had autism was so traumatic. Um, I'm so sorry. Anyway. And I just remember driving home thinking, here's another bookmark moment. Every yeah. picture, every, everything is going to be that's before she was diagnosed. That's before we knew. Yeah. 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 And, and it still happens today. I mean, it still happens today. And, you know, she's an amazing 12 year old girl, but she will never be independent. She with us forever. And so the, the motherhood again, what I thought it was going to be. And, and that is, you know, that's still stuff that I'm working, you know, working through obviously. And, and that's tough, but I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I, I am able to handle that or what, and was able to handle it with the diagnosis, even though it was very traumatic because I had learned all of those tools Mm -hmm. while I was going through my pregnancy as part of depression that I knew I knew how to set boundaries with people. I knew nights I needed to go to bed earlier. I knew when I needed to exercise. I I knew who I needed to keep close to me and who I had to put a little bit further away because they were a little bit toxic. Totally, totally. And I, I I agree. I, I wouldn't, I would not have been able to handle the Bennett situation the way that I did if I had not gone through postpartum anxiety. Yeah. You know, and I, I like, I, I will, I can, will never forget the day that I was like, oh, wow, that prepared me. And it made me an advocate, postpartum anxiety, having it made me an advocate. I will never forget going on Home and Family for the first time. I had done my first Christmas movie for Hallmark, my first movie for Hallmark at Christmasland. And um, Home and Family had invited me on to talk about the movie and motherhood because I was, you know, a a relatively new mother. And I was like, well, you know, you want to, you want to hear about it? It's been real, it's been real great. Right. Um, and I said, listen, I'm happy to talk about motherhood if you let me be honest about what it actually has been like. And I remember sc- like combing through websites to try to find other celebrities that had talked openly about postpartum. And I found a Brooke Shields interview where yep. she had talked about that's it. And then <laughs> on the heels of her opening her mouth, Tom Cruise was like, that's not what you have, woman. You're not taking the right supplements. Right. You know, um, 
And I was like, oh gosh, like women, like this is, and I would just remember being so scared because I was like, was like, you know, Tom Cruise gonna come after me? Like, you know what I mean? Like, are we like, am I gonna get backlash from this? But what I did know was like, at the end of the day, it's that thing that Jen, my friendship allowed me to do, which was, if I'm gonna talk about this, I'm gonna talk about it honestly. And I, um, you know, and, and Hallmark allowed me to, they were like, absolutely talk about it. And I just remember walking away from that and getting calls and emails and texts and Instagram DMs and all of this stuff, like you said, from so many women, right. Who, like when you started your group and all those women showed up, which is by the way, amazing that you did that. Um, yeah. I, I just this onslaught, I was like, oh, whoa, women really need to be talking about these things. And now we get to, right, think, you know, it's, it's changed a lot, but I will say mental health and they put dementia and Alzheimer's in that same circle of mental health. Like it's not a mental health issue, but I will say it, it, it masks itself as a mental health issue in the way that you lose your memories, you lose your mind, you lose, you know, so, and it, and it feels like a mental health issue. My dad was trapped in a prison of his body was a prison, you know? Um, and that's still something that people are uncomfortable with. They're uncomfortable telling people that their loved one has it. They're uncomfortable being honest about what that journey looks like as a caretaker. They're uncomfortable about like, it still exists, you know? So while we've come so far, we still have a long way to go. Oh yeah. And, and it's so funny because people, I was actually just so that my movie's still being screened. I can't wait for you to see it. I Um, can't either. The movie's still being screened. And I, um, when I see that someone's doing a screening, I always reach out and say, Hey, if you want me to be like on the panel, like I'll, you know, if people need to ask questions or they want an update because it really was from 2015. And just last week, um, I was in a, in a, a zoom virtual screening of the film and I came in at the end and, and I haven't seen my film in a while. Um, but I was able to catch like the last 10, 15 minutes. And then they put up all the people, there was like 50 people in the, in the zoom. And then one of the squares had a classroom full of med students and I just lost it. Cause I was like, this is why we made the film. Like this, it was to make people angry and learn that there are simple solutions that are not happening in our healthcare system. And it's just, you know, my, it, it, by far my greatest accomplishment. I, I, I still can't believe that I went to school for production, broadcasting and production. And I oh, love cool. the film industry. I love the magic of being on set and all the moving yeah. parts of it. Like, I just absolutely love it. And, you know, seeing your name like up on the screen for the, I remember sitting in the theater for the very first time, because we did a lot of screenings at like large theaters and, I just remember like for the first time seeing, you know, producer, your name, you know, your name and Aww. I was just, yeah. and, and it to be something like this that I know is yeah. going to change things about, you know, what I went through and, and the hope that, you know, other women don't have to, to go yeah. through it. Um, 
Yeah. But yeah. So that's why I started the podcast then, because I, I, I have so many women reach out to me and they're like, I'm ready to tell my story. I, I want to mm. share it. I need to get it off my chest. I need, I want my family to know about it because I haven't told them yet. And I just, mm. need that. and so that's why I started the podcast because it allows these women to continue to share their story. Um, and I'm like yeah. a big believer in storytelling. It just makes Same. such a big difference. I mean, yeah. I, I, it's, can I share just one story with you? I want to share, I want to share all the story. Um, the very first support group that I ever did, um, and I would do it at the local library. And a lot of times the moms would just listen to me talk and, and, and which is totally fine. It was on the flyer. It said, you can just come, you don't have to say anything. Just if you just want to be in the same room of people that, you know, have experienced the same things that you've likely gone through. And I remember always sharing, you know, medication worked for me. It doesn't work for everybody, but you know, I was put on medication and I always share the story of my psychiatrist who yeah. said, listen, you're, I know you're going to go home and you're going to Google what I'm putting you on. And here's what you're going to find. And you're not any of those things, but this is going to help your brain. I'm telling you, it's going to help you get it filled, (laughs) you know, and start taking it. And I shared this story at the support group. And while, when I was leaving right before I got in my car, a woman who was in the group stopped me in the parking lot. And she said, you didn't share what kind of medication they put you on, but I'm having the exact same intrusive thoughts that you're having mm-hmm. about sharp objects and stuff. Um, would you mind sharing what they put you on? And I said, yeah, that's fine. You know, they put me on Respiradol and it's an antipsychotic medication. And, you know, it's for people with schizophrenia and stuff. And they made it very clear that that's not my diagnosis, but my brain just needs some help. Yeah. Yeah. And she said, well, uh, my doctor gave me a prescription for that. It's in my purse. I didn't <laughs> fill it because I Googled it and I'm going to go. And she, yeah. And that's when I was like, yep, like this makes a difference. And this going to go and fill her prescription now and likely get better. And she did. And we're still in contact and it's amazing. I mean, it's just, it's insane. And, and how, and the film, my goodness, my co-producer, she came to my house because she was filming my daughter for an autism training video. Ugh. And she turned the camera on me and I started talking about my support groups that I was running. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I had pregnancy, suicidal ideation, and I didn't even know this could happen to me. And I've wanted to make a film about it. Will you make one with me? I said, Oh yes, I definitely will. She was at my house the next week. We storyboarded the entire thing Amazing. and it was done in two years. Amazing. I mean, that's just, And that's the other thing with just opening up and sharing your story. You never know what opportunities may present, you know, you never know how you're going to touch somebody else. Yes. I mean, that's why going back to when you asked how I was and and going into that dialogue with you, I'm very honest about like, if I'm not having a great day and you're just the cashier at CVS or wherever you are, you're going to hear it. Apologies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, you're going to hear it. That's just, you know, that's yeah. just the person I am, but you're right. We're yeah. very automatic to just say, how you doing? Good. Like, I mean, we're very, it's just, yeah, I know we're programmed. We are. And it's are. literally just like unprogramming yourself to go, you know what? 
not great today. Yeah, not great today. Just not great. Not great. You know, like the other night, I just had to sit in front of my girlfriends and say, I'm not okay. Yeah, I'm not okay. And I know that that's scary for a lot of people to say that. Believe me, I used to be one of those people. I mean, up until Bennett and my dad, like, or, or, or Hudson, you know, in the postpartum anxiety, I, I, there was no way you would ever hear that I was not okay. No way. And that's why it took so long to get my postpartum diagnosis because I was like, absolutely not. Nobody's going to know that I'm not okay. Yeah. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it look good. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get my body into shape. I'm going to do this and I'm going to post these pictures and I'm going to put on this face. I'm going to do this and and I'm not going to let anybody know I'm not okay until my friend Jen Didi was like, you're not okay. She was the one that was like, I don't know what's happening. She was like, have you ever thought about the, maybe that you have postpartum? And I was like, I had never even really heard of it. I'd never thought about it, never talked to anyone about it. I was like, no, she's like, I think, I think that's what's happening. I think you need to go see a doctor, but what a good friend, right? What a good friend. And we, if we had not had that basis of honesty in our friendship and we weren't didn't trust each other so deeply and that like, she's going to tell me the truth and the truth that she's going to tell me is going to be the truth that I need because she loves me so much. And it's always going to come from a place of love. And I mean, I'm so grateful, so grateful. Yeah. 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 And and surrounding ourselves with people like that is what it's all about. I mean, you have to do that um, or else it's when you don't have a support system, it's tough. And, you know, and so, especially so many moms um, or maybe just people in general feel that there has to be some sort of reason why a mom starts to feel that way. Um, I mean, I something she did wrong, wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember because my, my daughter had asked I had an emergency. I had it. That's yeah, it's a long story, but I had an emergency. I had a C-section plan. She ended up having to come out earlier. So I was taken by ambulance to the hospital. I mean, it was a whole traumatic thing. She was in yeah. the NICU for 10 days. And I specifically remember no one asking me how I was <laughs> in the hospital. Like yeah. I, I, I very much remember oh, yeah. saying to me, you should basically feel wonderful. One, because your baby's the biggest one in the NICU. Okay. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. But I, yeah. I was taking yeah. an ambulance and really thought I might die. And like, yeah. So I'm just like in a place right now. Like, yeah. Like it was just so. Yeah. I, the, the amount of times, I, yes. The amount of times that I, like I have been in the darkest valleys and, and people in those situations have not asked me if I'm okay, you know, and I, and, and this is one thing my, my husband and I struggle with to this day of like, you know, I went a very long time after my dad died before he would even ask me like, how are you doing today? And we had to sit down and talk about it. I had, I had to sit down and teach him what it looked like to support another person when they're going through grief, you know, which was a very hard thing to do when you're in grief is to take the time and energy to teach the person next to you because nobody had taught him. Right. You know, um, that's why I have two boys 
And I think, you know, that God gave me two boys and I'm a boy mom because I want to make sure that my sons grow up and whether, you know, they're in relationship with a woman or a man or whoever it is, like, you know, I want to make sure they understand how to take care of the people in their life from an emotional place. It's like, it's not just the physical. And also I was a person who have always been like, I got this, I got this, I got this. Right. So what happens when that person breaks down and doesn't got this right. Exactly. So I also think that I had trained the people around me to be like, Nikki's got this, Nikki's got this. Right. So then whenever I was in emergency, nobody asked if I was okay. And they also were like, because I got it. Right. So the people that you think in your life, that's another tip I will say, if you have someone in your life, if you have the girl in your life, that's like the, I got this girl, she probably doesn't got this. So like check in on that one the most. Yeah. It's this, it's the, the one, strongest, the, the one you think is yes. the strongest got it together. Yes. Yeah. You need to ask them, are they okay? Because they're probably not. And that's the thing too, you know, we, and it's almost a societal thing as well, where we pride ourselves on, I can do it all and I can help you. And I wear my cape and, you know, and it's just like, it's, that's not reality. Like it's It's just a great meme and that's wonderful, but it's just not reality. And, and we, we need to, we need to honor, like you said, those feelings that we have and, and process that grief. And you're right. No, no one teaches us how to process any of those emotions. And they surely don't teach other people how to help that person process those emotions. It's just, it's very, people are either scared of it or they just don't want to say the wrong thing. So they say nothing at all. And it, yeah, I mean, it's a huge disservice. I mean, these are things that we, like you're teaching your, your boys, you know, so that they are sensitive yeah. to those things because yeah. I mean, that we're human yeah. beings. That's how, I mean, we, and we need We're that, feeling, right? well, this is why Brene Brown is so, um, she's just such a legend is because she's teaching us about our emotions from the standpoint of a social scientist. So it's data-driven. It's not, you know, it's not a theory in her head that like all, you know, all of us can sit down and theorize and it's like, these are proven, like proven studies that Mm -hmm. she has done. And so you can't really argue with that, you know? And that's why it's so powerful and why Atlas of the Heart is so powerful. I don't know if you've seen her HBO special, but that's the thing. She's like, we have been taught for hundreds and hundreds of years that we are thinking beings, but we are feeling beings. We are emotional beings that sometimes think. Yeah. And if you can train yourself to understand like, oh, whoa, I'm not a thinking being, I'm an emotional being who sometimes thinks, then it, it's going to make you, like we put so much value on academics and on studying really hard and getting those grades and doing this, you can go to this and that is important. Of course it is. I'm an academic at heart. I believe me. Um, but what I say to my husband, when my oldest kid's report card comes in, you know, he's neurodiverse. And so he had, he, he struggles more than the other kids in some of those things. Now I'll tell you, he is, he is so, so crazy intelligent. He just learned so differently, so much differently than others. Right. Yeah. And, um, but we get that report card in and 
you'll see the things that he's working on and the things that it's like, okay, okay, okay. The most important part to me is Hudson is a great friend. He's so respectful to his friends and to his teachers. He is so kind and thoughtful. He is so, and I'm like, you know what? Then I'm doing my job, right? It's like, that is so much more important to me than a kid that is getting straight A's. And by the way, that is not the way that I was raised. It was not, it was striving. It was, uh, you know, you strive, you, you, you accomplish the task, you get the straight A's, you're the top of your class. You, you know, like that was how I was raised. So it is complete opposite, but only through therapy, going to school for psychology, being in therapy, being in trauma therapy, learning these things, being blessed with a kid that is neurodiverse. So I can think differently about the, about, you know, we have 50% of our population that's neurodiverse. And, and so there is no normal, right. And we need to stop talking about normal and not normal. Right. Right. And it's been, and I mean, you know, that as much as anybody. So like, for me, it was such a gift to have a kid that was neurodiverse so that I could begin to learn even for myself, like the beauty of how his brain works. He's going to be a kid that is going to go on to come think outside of the box, come up with some kind of technology or some kind of data processing thing or some kind of medicine or some kind of something that nobody thought of. And it's going to change something in the world. Like those are the kids that go on to do that. If we nurture them the way that they deserve to be nurtured, you know, and their differences. So I just, I do feel that like, even just understanding that we are emotion, emotional beings that sometimes think it puts the priority on, on the importance of emotional intelligence over, you know, academics really. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Having a kid on the spectrum, absolutely. Just kind of, you know, she, she definitely doesn't learn like other kids and, 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 and having a special needs child and seeing the world through that lens is amazing. Like it's just, it really does keep you first of all in the now all the time And, and just, you know, seeing, seeing how she sees the beauty and just simple Ugh. things. And it took a while, you know, it takes a long while to, you know, like that grieving process of all the things that you think, cause we're taught like all these things, especially like as a mom, kind of like what, you know, what motherhood's going to look like. And when I'm, and I have surrounded myself with, with girlfriends who all have kids on the spectrum, which is, was a, such an important part of my yeah, healing. I bet that I was going through and, you know, but at the same time, you know, I have friends that are like, you know, who have daughters the same age as Allie and they're just like, you know, my, you know, my kid is, you know, hanging out with so-and-so and, and, you know, socializing. And that's not, you know, that's not our situation. And so, you know, it's kind of like that, I don't know. I mean, we still grieve all of that. And it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's tough because no one teaches. I mean, no one talks about that either. I mean, they just don't. Um, There's so many kids that have special needs and parents and then kids that are going to grow up and then she's an adult. So then, so then what does that look like? I mean, I remember, I remember calling her school literally because she's in a special needs school and it's amazing. Like, it's just, amazing. And I remember 
calling and going, okay, can you tell me how long she can stay at this school? Like what year will she graduate? Right, right. And they said, well, she can stay until she's 23, which is great because her birthday's in October. So she's kind of like that late. So I get like an extra yeah. year. So I'm like, okay, she's going to be there till, you know, until she's, until she's 23. Perfect. What year is that? Okay. So this is probably when I'm going to have to stop working my full-time job, like figuring out financially, like what you do. And these are things that a lot of my friends don't think about. And so it's just, it's so interesting. It's just, it's just very interesting. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. I feel like we have so many things like that are parallel <laughs> that aren't the same, but kind of the same. And 100%. It's, yes. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's so interesting. Um, but yeah, I, um, that, that post that you made really just oh, resonated you. with me and, thank um, you. and I had been following you and, and the, uh, the process, um, with your, with your thank dad you. and everything. And, um, and yeah, and also just seeing your post, cause you do post sometimes about the amazing women in your life and, and kind of seeing those little glimpses of interaction that you have with them. is oh, just the like Nikki has a tribe and that is amazing. Like that is what we all need to. They're my lifeline. They really are. They're my lifeline. Like I can't even, I just, I really don't know how I would do life without the women in my life. I don't, I think women are extraordinary. I mean, extraordinary human beings. And I I mean, I think that we should have a damn parade thrown in our honor, like monthly, like not just like women's history month. I mean, we should own the entire year. I mean, like, like, I really, I really do think that we are and that's not to say that men aren't incredible. I'm not saying that, but from what I've learned and especially from what I've learned in the women in my, from the women in my life, I just like, they are the people, they are some of the people that I respect the most that, you know, I go to for advice that I can be my most vulnerable with that I can. And I just, I feel, I want that for every single woman, you know, and if we can encourage other women to open up to their friends to let it be a little bit deeper than just going to have lunch somewhere and having like wine Wednesdays, you know, that's fun and that's great. But like at the same time, you know, bad things are going to happen. That is life. You are going to go through really hard. Life is hard. That's the one thing I appreciate about Glennon is the fact that she's like, how are people acting like this is normal? Everything's okay. Like, I don't understand. It's like, this is hard. It is hard to do life, Mm -hmm. which is why when when things are good, when you do have a good day, we have to also learn to celebrate that and rest inside of that and just, uh, and not brace ourselves for the other shoe. Cause that's something I've done. I have done and I do like hardcore and I'm trying to rewire my brain, not to brace for impact and instead just go, you know what? Today's a great day. And I'm just going to like, until I get, until I get hit, I'm just going to enjoy it because I know at some point in time, the, a hard thing is going to come and, and then I'm going to have to deal with that. But for right now, the hard thing isn't here. So I'm just going to enjoy this moment. Um, 
but we're going to face hard things. And my biggest, biggest thing, and I think I felt this since I was a child, was I, everybody deserves to be seen. No one is better, or better or more important than anyone. Um, and I think this is my Jesus stuff, you know, like really and truly, like I love, I love Jesus. And the thing I loved about Jesus as a kid, and then I still love about him as an adult is that he went to where there was need. Where is there need? I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what your class is. I don't care what your race is. I don't care what your gender is. I don't care. I don't care what you've done. You are a human being and you are just as important and significant as anyone else. And I feel like part of that, adopting that mindset, and then also allowing yourself to be that human being and from another person releases them and gives them permission to be a human being so that we all actually get to, it's that Ram, Dom, Ram Das quote where we're all just walking each other home. How can, you, how can you allow someone to walk you home if you're not willing to open your hand up and take it? Right. You know, and life is so much better and so much more fulfilling when you open your hand up and you allow somebody to take it and allow them to walk you instead of you walk them. And sometimes you'll have to walk them. Those tides will turn and you will take turns in those positions, but doing it alone, nobody needs to suffer in silence, you know, and, and it's a vulnerable step, but it is the most important step that you will take in your life, I do believe, as soul growth, your own personal soul growth. And you'll teach your kids the same thing. I always say to my husband, my biggest parenting thing, don't ask your kids to do something you're not willing to do yourself. Yeah. You, you go in there and you're complaining about Hudson's desk. Go look at your desk. Your desk is a disaster. It looks like somebody just threw a bunch of paper on top of it. You go clean your desk. And you model for him what that looks like so that he will understand that that's how he has to take care of his desk. Right. You know, when I am crying and upset, you come to me, you nurture me, you hold me. What do you need? How can I help? I, you can't, I just need you to hold me. Our kids watch that. Oh, that's how that's modeled. Yeah. It's so important for us to do this because we don't understand how it's impacting our families, yeah. how it's impacting everyone in our lives, but it starts, it begins with us, you know, yeah. and, I, and, and that'll be my last speech for today. Well, I think <laughs> it's a great place to, to wrap it up. <laughs> I'll get oh. off my soapbox now. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, 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 you're right. I mean, you're right. Um, this was beautiful. Oh, Oh, I'm, I'm, way to start a day. I, I appreciate you so much. I really do. And you know, this, I know we didn't talk about curious caterer, but I loved it by the way. It was fabulous. Um, oh, and five more minutes is my new, like go-to Christmas movie. I, that Thank movie, you. especially knowing one. everything that you had just gone through. I was, it was like, it was, it was hard. I'm, it was hard. But at the same time, it was, I could hear my dad's voice. I could hear, I could feel him just moving me to it. And I could hear his voice saying, you can do this. Yeah. You need to do this. And um, 
And I was like, I don't know, dad. I don't know. I mean, the first 10 days that I got to Vancouver to do that movie, I came home from set every night and cried myself to sleep for 10 days straight, mm. you know? Um, and my gosh, it was so healing. It was such a healing, um, it was such a healing process. And I'm so glad that it touched you. It touched me and it will always be special. And thank you for watching Curious yeah. Cater. And yeah. I, I should come back, by the way, in year two of my grief of my dad. And let's talk about where I am then, because I hear year two is a, real, yeah. <laughs> is a real doozy. So yeah. I'll, maybe I'll come back for my Christmas movie and we can, we can reconvene and see yeah. how the grief is then. It sounds good to me. It sounds good to me. You know, yeah, it's, it's just definitely a process and people need to know that. I mean, we're, we're always a work in progress, right. And we're always trying to figure out how to make ourselves better. And, um, and yeah, so I appreciate you so much. Really good. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for your time and for everything you're doing in the world. I just think it's like, it's, oh, you and I are, we belong to the same we, we are cut from the same cloth and um, I just appreciate it. And I loved meeting you and I can't wait to talk to you again. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Nikki, thank you so much. Have a really thank great you. day. I will. Bye. 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 All right.